It's Monday, and you're with Bob McAvoy, right here on the Semper Reformata podcast. Well, good morning. It's Monday morning. It's the 18th of April, 2022, and it's Easter Monday. And this is Bob McAvoy with your regular Monday news and prayer update here on the Semper Reformata podcast. And we're going to begin with the ongoing sexualization of children. They mean tiny children. I've already looked at the leaked video conference at Disney, where the executives openly discussed the unnatural and perverse sexual agendas that formed the policy of their company. But closer to home, uh, in England at the minute, the so-called family sex show is touring English theatres. And its aim is to promote sexual pleasure to children and young people. Now, this show is being marketed at children as young as five. And it features actors and actresses stripping naked and sexually explicit performances of an adult nature. Children are introduced, it says, to concepts of masturbation, gender boundaries and consent. Now, let's think about that. Small children can't even attend a theatre on their own. An adult has to agree to their attendance and has to take them along. And there are parents who are subjecting their tiny kids to the perverse work of these perverts. Who'd want to act in a pornographic production aimed at corrupting pre-primary school children, barely old enough to tie their own laces? Why can't children just be allowed to be children? I think Christians need to be aware of these influences in society. I think we need to pray for our for our children, for our succeeding generations. This world is totally corrupt and wants to corrupt very young people. We need to pray for families. We need to pray for wisdom for parents. There's a petition on Citizen Go, the website, which you might like to sign. Follow the links in the episode notes and you'll find that petition. Let's look at COVID lockdowns. Disturbingly, I think the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, speaking recently in an interview with a couple of MPs, Esther McVeigh and Philip Davies, he said that future lockdowns can't be ruled out in the UK. Now, that contrasts very greatly with what he was saying earlier when he completely ruled out having another lockdown. Of course, it's not Johnson's first major policy U-turn. But maybe before he implements any such strategy, perhaps he should take a look at what's been happening over in Shanghai, in the People's Republic of China, in the city of Shanghai, where at the time of writing, around a week ago, the city was entering its third week of a strict lockdown. People have been locked in multi-storey apartment buildings. Food for many people is running out. Violence is spilling out. People are committing suicide at a terrible rate. I want you to listen for a moment or two, just for 30 seconds, to this 30-second sound clip.
Now that was the sound of the streets of Shanghai after dark. That's the sound of people screaming in despair from the windows of tiny apartments. People who can't leave for the fear of being fined, for China is a heavily regulated totalitarian society. Even standing on your apartment balcony without a mask results in a fine. Drones are flying overhead with facial recognition technology, marking down your social credit, the fine automatically deducted from your digital wallet. We need to pray for the people who live in China. And we need to be careful. We need to keep a very close eye on political developments in our own country and watch out for growing signs of totalitarianism in our own Western societies. Click the links in the notes. Do some research. Read for yourself. Well, staying with our national leaders, Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister and the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, have been fined by the Metropolitan Police for breaches of the COVID regulations. The big debate at this moment in time is whether the Prime Minister should resign over this. Personally, I'm apathetic about it. I don't care whether he resigns or not. I expect that whoever replaces him will be no better and will be no more morally responsible than Johnson has been. Johnson's crime, in my opinion, was not just breaking his own lockdown. It was imposing the lockdown in the first place. It was the crime of closing doctor's surgeries, of closing churches, of limiting access to hospitals, of imposing the dehumanising mask regime, depriving children of their schooling and their social contacts, leaving old people to die alone in nursing homes. It was the rate of undiagnosed heart disease and undiagnosed cancers. That lockdown regime is immoral. It was a national crime imposed upon millions of people and all for an illness that has a 98% survival rate. The Christian response to all of this, to the lying, the deceit, the immorality of our leaders, actually is to pray for them. The Apostle Paul lived under a despicable system of government and in the last years of his life he lived under Nero, the Caesar of Rome, the utterly immoral and merciless man who hated Christianity with a vengeance, hated Christ and hated Christians. Yet in 1 Timothy 2 and 2, Paul wrote to Timothy, saying, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Well, let's look again at the universal basic income. Last week I mentioned that some of the politicians standing in our local elections were supporting a trial of a universal basic income, a sort of social credit system, where everyone, regardless of need and non-means-tested, will receive a payment from the state. Some might say it was trialled already in the form of the furlough payments made by the state during 2020 and 2021. Payments that were made for people to stay at home from work. Payments that equaled sometimes around 80% of a person's salary. It's a utopian dream. It's the hope that if everyone has something, no one will have nothing. No one will go hungry. No one will be homeless. But one of the acknowledged difficulties with this policy 
is that it will encourage people who don't want to work to be content with the state largesse, while the heavy burden of taxes needed to pay the universal basic income rests upon the responsible, hard-working members of society. So is there a biblical theology of work? Well, of course there is. When God created Adam, he placed him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to make it productive, and he gave him the task of classifying and naming the wildlife. Adam was a farmer, a grower, a botanist, and a zoologist. What a clever man. Let's not think of our first ancestor as a useless caveman with limited intelligence. Work was a creation ordinance. Work was introduced into the life of mankind before the fall. In the New Testament, Paul deals with it too. Factless idlers were discouraged as being a drain on resources. There were people in Thessalonica who didn't want to work, who wanted to depend on others for their income while just simply spending their time in idle gossip. Paul himself had never been like that. He was a working man even when he was heavily involved in a committed preaching and teaching ministry. So he wrote to the local church in Second Thessalonians 3 and 7, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labour and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If any one will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. You see, work is honourable. Work is good. Work is commanded by God. Of course, I can hear the liberals crying, how heartless you are. There are people who can't work because of a disability or a sickness. Well, of course. But in this country, we already have a safety net for those people. We have a benefit system. A benefit system that should pick up those difficult cases and provide help. The universal basic income is unnecessary. It is unworkable. It is financially unsustainable. It is an open door for socialists to draw us even further towards a controlled, communist-style authoritarian society where you depend on the state for everything and where the state can withdraw support if you're a dissident, if you're a conscientious objector, if you don't keep the latest lockdown regulations or even for someone who believes that society should be structured on Christian principles. In Canada at the minute, there's a serious discussion taking place linking a universal basic income with COVID vaccination acceptance. Click the link in the episode notes and find a list of Northern Ireland election candidates who are supporting this dangerous socio-economic experiment. Well, today's grace gem is from Octavius Winslow. Winslow wrote, Oh, there is no single truth which embodies and conveys so much blessing to the believer as his Lord's resurrection. Isn't that true? Find more inspirational quotes on gracegems.org. Let's finish with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this short opportunity to consider some of the concerns that we have as Christian believers. 
And today we pray for our children and for the children of our nation, those little boys and girls who are being influenced in our schools and even in their own homes. And we know that there are dark forces who seek to sexualize them and to corrupt their tender hearts while they are still young. Please protect our children, we pray, from those who seek to harm them, to harm their little minds and their little souls. And Lord, we are concerned at the way politicians and leaders are dealing with their civic populations all over this world. We see what is happening in China, and we pray for those who are living there. And we ask you that our leaders would seek your face and govern in a godly manner. And today especially, we thank you for Jesus, for God's only Son, who died on the cross for sinners, and who rose again on the third day. Well, that's all for now. Links for all these stories are on the website, semper-raffermata.com, and there's a link to that website in the episode notes. There's no catechism class tomorrow due to seasonal events at Ballymacashan, but it'll be back in a week or so's time, and there should be a sermon podcast this coming Saturday. Don't give up. Lift up your head. Don't be discouraged. Let's keep watching and keep praying and keep believing in our sovereign Lord who overrules everything in this universe that he created.